I'm Adam Banerjee, and this is The Motivation Mike. I'm here with Sonali Chandra. She's a comedian and the South Asian lead of Lifetime's Five Guys a Week. We share that we're both Indian with Bengali roots and perform at Flappers Comedy Club. What up? Hi, Adam. Thank you for having me. Ow! Ow! <laughs> yeah, so lots been going on. We've been having a lot of convo, a lot of backstory about, mm-hmm. about you figuring out your roots. I already have my roots figured out. I know who I am. Yeah, I just, that's what I've been learning. <laughs> yeah, um, we met in comedy class. You know, when I first saw you, I didn't, I had no idea you were half Desi, which is also another term for South Asian. But then I found out your name and then I'm like, that's an Indian last name. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, people assume I'm like Middle Eastern uh-huh. or Latino because there's not a lot of half Indian people running around. Right. And not with a unique name like yours. <laughs> I you, think. You, thank your you. Name, your name is half half Indian, half not. So, um, okay. meanwhile, I have a fully Indian name. So, your Bengali. Explain to people what Bengali is, because I feel like that's something I had to learn as a kid. What that even was, because it's very specific, and people outside of the Indian community uh-huh. might not even know what that is. Okay, Adam Banerjee, where do I begin? What is Bengali? So, Bengali itself is the language. Okay, that's the language. It's one of the regional dialects of India. And it's also, I believe, the national language of the country, Bangladesh. Um, West Bengal is the state of India that Bengali is spoken dominantly in. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, that that in a nutshell is what Bengali is. (laughs) That's great. That's great. So that's a good that's a good backstory. Right. So you're originally from New Jersey. Born and raised. Yes. And I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Oh, boy. So we're like <laughs> on the border. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on the border with each other. Uh-huh. So that's cool. We're both very Americanized. Me more so than you. Yes. But that's cool. <laughs> I, I'm a modern and traditional good girl. There's parts of me that's American and there's other parts of me that are very still Indian. But so, I'm yeah. very <laughs> suspicious of you. How dare you? I'm a good girl. <laughs> I'm very. Whenever a girl says she's a good girl... Like off the bat, I'm just like, why are they saying that? I think Is you it already because- know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole world knows if they care to Google me. And I say that from a point of, from a place of humbleness. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Should I say it? Uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm a good girl, especially because I'm, oh boy, now I'm choking. I'm, <laughs> I'm 35. I like, uh-huh. I'm 35 and I still have my V card. I'm a 35 year young virgin and I'm damn proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So, wow. It's, it's hard to imagine for a lot of people, I think being a virgin at that age, I mean, much respect. Thank you. For me, I was scared to have sex as a kid because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to burn in hell for this. Right. <laughs> yeah, like the Christian side of me was like, oh my God, this is so sinful. So right. I held out to the age of 16. Oh, okay. 16. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. Thank you, I think. <laughs> um, you know, I was born and raised in America, New Jersey, as we talked about, but my, my parents are from Calcutta, West Bengal. Immigrants, they came to America for a better life, as do a lot of immigrants, right? All immigrants. And even though... I was born and raised in America. My parents wanted to make sure I knew my Indian culture. And I had a very strict upbringing, no dating, no socializing, no sleepovers, no prom, no college dorming. 
and those you know and so by the time i was 22 i had never had a boyfriend and then my parents started bugging me to agree to an arranged marriage you know that was a whole other thing um but yeah fast forward to age 35 i still don't know how to date even though i'm on a dating show called five guys a week i don't know how that happened um but i'm still a novice in the dating world and that's why i call myself a good girl because like I'm a, so I'm a, like I said I'm a modern and traditional good girl modern because like you know I dress, I'm a fashionista you know I'm a career woman all that good stuff but then traditional because like I am at a point in my life where I can't have premarital sex it's just something I won't will not be able to emotionally withstand um things like that make me traditional at at my heart at my core and then I'm a good girl because just I I I I really am a good girl I don't you know I follow the law I I don't you know <laughs> Just the, the, yeah, I'm a good girl. <laughs> just take it, just take it and accept it. Yeah, okay? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm just wondering for you. Do you feel like when you're saying you're holding out, is it like for now? Is it because you personally view it as something you don't want to do, or something as far as the value system of your parents and your upbringing is like I don't want to lose that, or the reason was that, and it still is. Does that make sense? I, I understand what you're asking. Um, I would say the reason is two part. Definitely the first part is my strict upbringing. What the strong Indian values that my parents instilled in me. Absolutely. You know, um, traditionally in Indian culture, premarital sex is taboo. It happens. Don't get me wrong. But traditionally, it's frowned upon. Um, and so that's those are the kind of standards that my parents you know, raised me with and those, I still hold those kind of values near and dear to my heart. So that's one part. The other part is just me personally, um, to be 35 and to, um, have had a, se a series of heartbreaks, constantly have to have been ghosted by men who find out that I'm a virgin, then they dart in the other direction. Um, it's, it's the story of my life, you know? And so I'm at a, just at a point now personally also where, you know, I, I can't do it without knowing it, uh, it's going to be with my permanent soulmate, my, 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 my one and only my forever man. It's just it's a huge emotional thing for me at this point also. So it's, it's two part. Yeah. Here's something how I view it. Right. And take it with a grain of salt because mm -hmm. this may not be the guys you're dealing with or whatever. But for me, it would not be necessarily a red flag that a girl's a virgin. Oh, OK. But I would definitely <laughs> not take it lightly. Right. Like if that girl is someone that I'm really interested in, uh -huh. it's like I want to make sure it's like, OK, you know, if this is going to happen. I want to make sure it's really meaningful because I don't right. want this person to feel like this is the person I lost it with. And, you know, like now what? You know, it's like what now he's ghosting. Like that's really fucked up. Yes. And I is. don't want to be that guy. Well, good for you. So thank you. Thank <laughs> you. So I just said all this to basically say something good about myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but basically I'm saying that because if a guy is really interested in you, he sh I don't know if it really should be a red flag for them. Right. I agree. Um, you know, the so the society we live in, people like me are ostracized and teased. They think we're freaks. If you know, if people google me, I'm not a freak at all. I'm damn proud of who I am. Like I said, I'm a fashionista. I, you know, I, people in fact are shocked you know if they look at me they find out that i'm a virgin so then but generally speaking people virgins are ostracized and teased but then on the flip side women who do lead promiscuous lives they're labeled a derogatory term which i will not go into i'm sure audiences and you know what i'm talking about we're all adults here <laughs> so what i'm trying to say is like women are always subject to judgment we can't win you know so that's what i say to each their own um you know 
lead your life the way you want to lead. And so I'm at a point where like, you know, I, I'm 35 now. I first publicly revealed my most intimate truth two years ago. Um, and I'm, I just came to a point in life where, you know something, this is who I am. I was never ashamed of it before. I was just more private. But, I, you know, get stepping into my 30s, I just came, came to accept it that this is who I am. This is what makes me unique as opposed to other people in my generation. And you know something, if I can inspire other people around me in the world um, that, you know, it's okay to maintain your V-card until the timing is right, then this is what I'm going to pursue. And now here I am, you know, on your podcast, you know, talking about my V-card to a live audience in comedy shows. Like, <laughs> It's unbelievable what's been happening lately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely respect your life choices. I also want to kind of point out the contrast too, right? Because okay. like I was telling you when I was younger that um, through like my religious upbringing, I was feeling like, oh, I don't know, this could be shameful or whatever. Right. And then I let go of that shame a lot. <laughs> Adam, you talked about your Christian upbringing. What about your Hindu upbringing? Did that not have an influence? That never existed. That didn't exist. That didn't oh, I exist. Okay. I mean, the thing is, my father wasn't really Hindu. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so he he grew up Hindu, uh -huh. but my parents met in a cult. Now, I shouldn't say that because they're going to hear this and then they're <laughs> going to be like, why did Adam leave? say that? <laughs> so they, they met in this church. It's called a Unitarian church. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it, but I'm not sure what it is. So basically, it's a group of people that get together and agree that they don't know what they believe in. Okay. okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> all due respect to all the Unitarians out yeah, there. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> I mean, what's cool about it is it's like almost a philosophy class, okay. but they meet together religiously. Uh -huh. <laughs> they meet together on Sundays and they talk about different religions and being open to it. So I definitely have respect for it because it's like, it's kind of confusing out there. You know, it's the wild, wild west. And I think there's so many different, there are so many different religions. Right, absolutely. Um, so I think it's kind of cool to pay respect and to, I think it's cool to think about other people's perspective and religion. So they met there. Uh -huh. And the reason I grew up with this religious background is because my dad split. So like I wasn't, my dad split when I was about six years old. Uh -huh. So I was mainly raised by my mom. I see. And then my mom felt I think it would be weird. I think she thought it would be weird if she brought me up through the Unitarian church. Okay. So she had me go to Christian church with my friend's family. I see. Where I was indoctrinated. Okay. Yeah. Like, don't do this. You'll go to hell. Don't do that. You'll go to hell. You're definitely <laughs> going to hell. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's where I got the fear of God put in me. Um, yeah. But you still gave it, you know, you lost your V card at age 16. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I just, um, I was seeing this girl when I was 15, uh -huh. and um, I refused to have sex with her. Uh, okay, as a boy, okay. <laughs> yeah, I refused. For religious purposes? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, she teased me. I was bullied by this girl. Uh -huh. I was, uh, no, um, I was bullied because I was called the Virgin Mary. I was called the Virgin Mary. Not the Virgin Adam? <laughs> you teased by her or your classmates as, as well? No, mainly just teased by her. Oh, I see. But did that's you go to okay. Public, did you go to public school? I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, growing up in New Jersey, I, I went to public school also. We never talked. We never talked about sex. I didn't know what virginity, what the word virginity was in high school. You know, I think sex ed what happened in fourth or fifth grade. But we always, the way I, you know, I was, we were, we were basically the same age, right? You know, we... I'm, I'm telling you, growing up, even in college, my friends circle and I, we never um, 
talked about sex or sleeping around or anything. I didn't even know what the word virgin was back then. I, in fact, Adam, you want to know something? I used to be so naive and thinking. I used to believe that sex was only possible after marriage. Like I thought <laughs> it was impossible and illegal before marriage. Like that's so illegal, naive. I, illegal. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think sex can also be very powerful. You know, if it's with, I mean, for me, it's not that important for it to be in the institution of marriage only. Okay. Um, and I think it can be meaningful, especially if it's with somebody you really care about and mm-hmm. you have that connection with. So I've rid myself of that idea <laughs> of shame, shame, shame. Uh, Good yeah, for you. So, Teach their own. Yeah. So <laughs> I think, you know, there's like a counterbalance to it, you know? So I think if you ever decide to make, I'm like, I'm like life coaching you to lose your virginity. I don't know what I'm even doing right now. I'm like, if you want to lose it, I'll just know that it's fine and there's no shame. <laughs> I, I think, Adam, seriously though, I think sex, um, it's different for men versus women. But for me, sex is very sacred. It's, um, it's very emotional. And I know for a lot of guys, it's, it's just whatever. Um, and so I, I, so yeah, um, I am not going to listen to your advice. I'm not going to follow your advice. I'll, I'll hear you out, but I'm not going to follow your advice. Just being frank. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so what are your plans? You know, I'm a career woman. I, I say I'm married to my career. So, you know, I, I, I focus on my career, be it comedy. You know, my, my day job is at Equinox, you know, fitness, fitness industry, which I love. Um, I'm just going to keep working on my career, working, working on myself. And then, you know, I believe when you least expect it, love appears. Like, you know, I really look up to Priyanka Chopra. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I said in my comedy show tonight, right? Like, you know, yeah. look, white guys, if, you, if you're going to contact me, if you're not a Nick <laughs> Jonas clone, get lost. I'm not interested in you, you know? Like, you know, I have her memoir at, at, at home on my bookcase. And, you know, Nick Jonas came into her life when she wasn't even looking for love. And look at them now. Yeah, they're 10 years apart. She's older. You know, they're from opposite sides of the world, but they've been married four years. You know, he treats her like a queen. Like, that's what I want. You know, like, <laughs> I want my guy to treat me like a queen. You know, yeah. I, and I don't say that in a very diva way at all. Audiences have to understand, like, the way I was raised, I already said, right, conventionally, very conservative. In Indian culture, it's a very male dominated society. And that's the way it is in my family. I'm not talking, and again, all due respect to my parents, I'm not trying to denigrate them at all. But what I saw in my parents' marriage, in my aunts and uncles, and in my grandparents, the woman serves the man. And I grew up seeing this over and over again in growing up. And now as an adult, I can firmly say that, you know something, whenever I get married, it's not going to be like that way at all. The guy's going to worship me. Okay. Just like how Nick Jonas worships Priyanka Chopra. So the, okay. that's my plan to answer your question. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. I think that's cool. Right. Yeah. Have, do you um, have any background with Bollywood or anything like that? I grew up watching Bollywood movies. That's how I learned Hindi. So we spoke. So I learned English by watch, going to ESL and by, you know, by, by going to public school, taking ESL classes. I learned Bengali, our native language by listening to my parents talk in Bengali at home. And then I learned Hindi by watching Bollywood movies. And back in the 90s, Bollywood movies were family friendly and they had subtitles. So I used to watch them with my parents and that's how I picked up Hindi. Uh, oh, so then, yeah, so then I watched the Bollywood movies. I also grew up learning Indian classical dancing. And then I transitioned into Bollywood fusion dancing. So, um, you know, I'm a virgin, but I know how to move my body, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> And um, so, yeah, that, I would say that uh, pretty much sums up my um, knowledge and expertise in Bollywood. 
Okay, that's solid. I know we also have in common that we both went to business school. So I studied marketing at the Fox School of Business, uh-huh. and you studied finance at Rutgers, I believe. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> what happened to us? What we changed? <laughs> we followed our passion. <laughs> yeah, we left that world behind. You know, you know, Adam. I I mentioned growing up watching the Bollywood movies. I wanted to study theater in college. Yeah. I just couldn't tell my parents. I didn't have the confidence because um. Because when I used to watch those Bollywood movies, I would be like, you know something, that looks fun. I want to do that when I grow up. That was my mentality. Yeah. But um, I never had the confidence or the courage to tell, to have that conversation with my parents. And, and, and also seriously, what Indian parent especially, even <laughs> non-Indians, right? right? Non-Indian parents is going to support their child be going into entertainment. Yeah. Are they more supportive now that it's been so long that you've been doing it? No, and stuff? I, with my parents now as an adult, I've learned it's better to inform them after the fact than to seek yes. their permission. <laughs> yes. I'm with you on that. I still don't say a lot of things that are happening until after they've already yeah. happened. Because like, what's yeah. the point? Because yeah, like, even with Five Guys a Week, the dating show, yeah. I didn't tell them beforehand. In fact, quite, you know, I, don't, I don't even think they know still unless they Googled me. Because um, like, and just going backtrack, we filmed seven months ago. I didn't tell them anything because I didn't want to deal with that negativity. And criticism. What are you gonna do? You're gonna kiss a boy on camera? Like, oh my god! Like, you know, you're gonna live with five guys? You know? Like, I just didn't want to deal with any of that. You know? So, um, and even like, you know, I'm in on the, all these other shows I've been on. Um, I didn't tell them anything after the fact, and you know, beforehand. You know, now if they Google me and all this stuff shows up, fine, whatever. What are they gonna do? You know? Uh, <laughs> it's too late. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, you know, I always knew. I, you know, I'm 35 and not married. Right? That's a huge taboo thing in the Indian culture traditionally for a woman. Um, my father, you know, I've had some exchanges of words with him about um, not wanting not wanting an arranged marriage. Just whenever it happens, it happens. I'm in no rush. A, a husband doesn't increase my value. I'm valuable on my own, that sort of stuff. Um, but um, I will say, you know, so yeah, my parents are disappointed that I'm not yet married. But I know for a fact they're happy that I'm still a virgin. You know, like, so you say, you, I never came home drunk. You know, I never, I didn't come home as a teenage, as a pregnant teenager. You know, I didn't, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't, you know, do anything bad growing up. You know, they should be happy about stuff like that, you know. And then, by the way, they're the ones who put me in the arts, right? I mentioned the Indian classical dancing growing mm. up and the Bollywood. Like, hello, you're the one who put me in the arts. Why are you mad that I'm pursuing this as a yeah. career now in, in my adulthood? Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, they just thought maybe it was going to be a hobby. Yeah, and now I you know, blew right? out the proportion. <laughs> Learn about your culture and then that's it. <laughs> and, you know, look, Adam, we've been talking, you know, like we're just, we have great um, compatibility and chemistry, right? You know, even all, without microphones, you know, we have an ongoing conversation. Uh-huh. Do I seem like someone who can survive in a cubicle all day on no. Wall Street? No, exactly. No. I could never. I, You're like me. I, you yeah, go insane. Yeah. You know, I did go insane in my 20s. That's what I did. I started my career off on Wall Street, big bank um, in New York City. And I did what I had to do and I did it for a while. But, you know, in business school, they teach you how to make money. Yeah. They, they, they don't talk to you about happiness. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did what I had to do, right? I did what I was, what was expected of me, you know, but um, as time, I'm 35 now. Adam, I'm going to be very real with you here. When I was 27 or 28, I, um, I had to go to, um, I was in physical therapy for a lot of dance injuries. And then um, this was in New York. And then the NYU um, sports psychology clinic, oh no, the NYU dance clinic, they told me to enroll in um, therapy at the sports psychology clinic. And I did because mm. I, you know, because they, they said what, you know, um, and I, I firmly believe in this now, you know, physical pain is related to emotional pain and vice versa. Yeah. So then the NYU dance clinic was like, oh, you should enroll in, you know, mental health therapy at the sports psychology clinic. So I did. 
Adam, I was diagnosed with depression. Mm-hmm. This I was in my late twenties at that point, and like it was really jaw dropping. I'm like, I'm such a bubbly girl. I laugh and you know whatever. Like, how could you say I'm depressed? You know, but I was because I was dealing with all this physical pain. I had never broken anything growing up, you know. And then to be in my late twenties and to have all this physical therapy. So anyway, I was diagnosed with depression. And Adam, I'm telling you, that was the first time I thought about what happiness is, because depression is the opposite of happiness. Right. right. And I realized I wasn't happy in my career. You know, um, I was having a quarter life crisis. I really was. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, you know, I, it took a while to heal from all that. And then at age 30, after I got my corporate bonus, I sold a bunch of stuff. I broke my lease in Manhattan <laughs> and I came to LA to pursue entertainment. <laughs> that was yeah. five years ago. And I'm, and listen, you know, it hasn't been easy, but I'm, I'm passionate about it. I'm happy. Yeah. And, you and, seem really happy on yes. stage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank, I love being on stage. And who do I have to thank for that? My parents. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes full circle. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the moments. So for context, I just went to Sonali's show tonight at Flappers. And this is after that show. Right. So, yeah, tonight I really liked your vulnerability. You know, uh, like I felt like those moments you really showed who you are. That's what people <laughs> enjoyed the most, you know, and uh, I feel like that's going to be powerful for you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that is my truth. My most intimate truth. I went out, I came out publicly with it two years ago, but you know, the first time was on Dr. Phil, the Dr. Phil show. Yeah. What was that like? My mom's going to geek out when she hears this <laughs> besides all the other things we said in the past what, 20 minutes or whatever, you know, um, she's gonna be like, Oh, Dr. Phil. Oh yeah. my God. That's amazing. So yeah. So this happened during lockdown. I'm sure everybody remembers wonderful lockdown of 2020. Right. Um, I actually applied to the bachelor that year to be one of the leading lead to, to be one of the 30 ladies. Right hired a reality tv coach you know made my audition tape from home didn't hear back from them and then i found out they had cast all the ladies and um i wasn't picked i was mm -hmm. pretty bummed out i gotta say and you know adam when one door closes another one opens you gotta think like that yeah absolutely yeah that's the especially, way to go especially in this industry yeah you, know, you gotta have faith you gotta keep going so um i found out i wasn't picked for the bachelor that same week i saw a posting on social media that the Dr. Phil production team was looking to help millennials with their love life. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I'm a millennial. I have issues in my love life. Guys keep ghosting me because when they find out I'm a virgin and then I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm tired of being alone and, you know, single. I sent in a one minute video. And um, that was September 2020. They called me October 2020. I filmed in November 2020. And it aired in December 2020. And wow. now um, I have two YouTube <laughs> clips on YouTube, uh, two viral clips on YouTube um, showing, you know, they share my story uh, on, you know, on his show. And he gives me his two cents. Yeah. What um, what was your impression of Dr. Phil? I, I was so excited. Let me tell you, I grew up watching Oprah. And then that's how I first discovered Dr. Phil. And this was in Jersey. I was a kid. I was in high school, right? Like I, back then, I never thought about LA. I never thought I'd be on national television. You know, we're the, we're, our, uh, you know, for, like you're, I'm guessing your dad came here from India. Yeah. Right. My both my parents came here from India. They, uh, you know, all and all immigrants they come to America for a better life, right? Um, I'm the daughter of immigrants. My parents are not anybody rich or famous. Definitely not in the entertainment industry in any capacity. Um, I never thought I'd be on national television. So when I finally met Dr. Phil, when I heard from the production team, I was on cloud nine. I was thrilled. Um, I was also really nervous because it was the first time 
I publicly revealed my most intimate truth. Um, now I knew what I, now I knew I had pursued that, right? I had applied to the bachelor earlier that year. I, I even mentioned in that audition tape that I was, well, I was 33 then. I'm like, yeah, I'm 33 and a virgin, you know, but it was that, that was, that was a self tape from home, you know, like sure. even with Dr. Phil, I had a virtual audience. And so it wasn't that, you know, intimidating, but just still to meet Dr. Phil, be on the same stage with him. It was, it was amazing. It was incredible. You know, I'm the daughter of immigrants. And then, you know, this it's just proof that hard work and persistence does pay off. And you should just never give up. Like if I had given up after the bachelor audition didn't work out, like I, you know, like I would never have gotten on Dr. Phil, you know? So you just, yeah. so yeah, it was, it was, a th it was an absolute, th absolute thrill to meet him, get his advice, be on stage with him. I was co This was before vaccines. I was COVID tested like a million times. Um, <laughs> Cause obviously when I was on stage with him, I wasn't wearing a mask like that. That would have messed up my makeup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was surreal. It was really surreal and such a thrill. So let's talk a little bit about your show, um, Five Guys a Week. Mm -hmm. So I think you said in the show that you had handpicked those guys, right? From a broader pool? Not quite. Not quite. Um, I um, Production and casting had asked me what kind of man I was looking for. So I actually had to fill out a whole questionnaire of my preferences, what I was looking for. One thing I made cl clear for sure was I did not want an Indian guy. What? <laughs> Even though I'm Indian. <laughs> Why not? Because the height thing? Well, okay. So I, I, you came to my show tonight, right? I made a joke, um, which is also true. Most Indian guys are not my height at all. I'm 5'8 without heels. Then I wear three-inch heels. Um, <laughs> and then also... Um, uh, so it's the height thing. That's a joke, but it's also true. No, but um, on a serious note, which I don't mention on comedy in comedy performances because it's serious, right? You know, you don't you don't, you don't want to talk about heartbreak on stage, or you know, or, or the heart, you know, the, the tears I've cried and whatnot. But um, I've had three serious heartbreaks by Indian men, and I, not to say that all Indian guys are like that, but I'm just at a point in my life where I, I don't want to deal with that anymore. I um, the heartbreaks. The, the height thing. Um, oh, also, I, I mentioned this on stage. Or did I mention this on stage? I don't remember. Um, Indian culture, and I speak generally. I'm not, again, I'm, I say it with all due respect. Indian culture is very male-dominated. It's a very patriarchal society, in my experience. You know, um, you know a chi any child in any culture, their parents' marriage is the first marriage they see, right? So in my, in my upbringing, and again, I say this with all due respect to my parents, my parents had an arranged marriage in India. This was the 1980s. Um, they were virtually strangers when they got married. My father is nine years older than my mother. Mm. And growing up, I, you know, my dad called the shots. He was the patriarch. He is the patriarch still in my family. Um, my mother had to ask him permission. For, uh, my mother had to ask him for permission to do anything. Um, and I saw that growing up. I'm like, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not going to have that kind of a husband or a relationship ever. You know, like, screw that. Um, so um, so, so it comes back, coming back to my adult dating life, um, I found with those three Indian guys who broke my heart because they found out I'm still a virgin, it wasn't just the V card. They were very controlling and condescending. And me, you know, I, I went to business school. I've worked on Wall Street. I'm very career-oriented. I consider myself strong and assertive. Like, I, I'm not going to deal with an Indian guy treating me like that. And so that's why I told production and casting of Five Guys a Week, do not give me any Indian men, because otherwise I'll kick them out the first night and audiences can't say it's discrimination because I too am Indian. <laughs> <laughs> but don't lose your faith in Indian guys. Uh, it's not all of them. 
I agree, but I have yet to meet one who will treat me with respect and admire my ambition. You know, that's why I use Priyanka Chopra as such a strong inspiration because she married, and uh, let's, let's talk about her briefly, right? She's so successful. She was already a success before she got married, right? You know, Miss World at age 18, opportunities came to her. You know, I, I would seriously assume like that no Indian guy could tolerate her success. You know, that's why she married an Indian, not Indian guy, right? You know, who they're from opposite sides of the world. He's 10 years younger than her. He treats her like a queen, you know? Um, and so that's, Anyway, that, that, that's my inspiration. <laughs> you know? Okay, okay. That's fair. But that's yeah, fair. so say yeah, five guys a week. And I, 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 I didn't really handpick those guys. I just had my preferences. I, I actually didn't meet them until the first time. When they, they came in. When they moved in uh, on camera. I had no idea what, who they were, what they yeah. did. Um, nothing. That's probably good for the vibe. You can actually, when you're watching it, you yeah. get that sense they, of it's real. That, it's that's the, the awkwardness exactly. of like meeting somebody oh, yeah. new. That's the entertainment and, value, right? Yeah, yeah. And, that's the and they're all together. Like all these dudes know they're competing against each other and then they're right. all there together. I know. And then from their perspective, they had no clue of who they were going to meet. Like they didn't, right. know they, they, were, they didn't know if they, they were going to get an Indian girl or, or Japanese girl or, you know, whatever, you know. Um, in fact, Eric, one of the guys who he was the guy I picked. Spoiler alert. We're not together anymore. Um, no, but he made a, a comment and it's on it's it's on the episode. Audiences can check it out on on Lifetime and then also on Amazon Prime. Um, he made a comment where he was very pleased when I opened the door because um, uh, he was maybe expecting some sort of unattractive girl. You know, I don't know what he was. So, but then I actually ended up telling him that, you know, listen, dude, I used to have glasses and braces growing up. What if I opened the door like that? You know? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So is he low-key an actor or like what's Eric's deal? On Five Guys a Week, his occupation is listed as screenwriter. Okay. That's actually his side hustle. Okay. His day job is in investment banking in Manhattan. Very interesting. Correct. Um, he learned about the casting for Five Guys a Week on Backstage.com, <laughs> which is a, a talent portal, right, for actors. Um, I don't know really what his deal is. Uh, you know, we haven't kept in touch. You know, so I, I mentioned earlier to your audiences, Adam, that he and I are not together. We He turned out to be a different person once cameras wrapped. He was. Yeah, he was so a, how did he change? You know, on camera, he was the first guy I told that I was a virgin. His jaw dropped. You know, again, this is all on, it's all, it's all streaming. He, you know, he, it, to me, face to face, he said, there's nothing wrong. You know, I was a virgin at one point. I'm not anymore. I've dated virgins before. He said all that sweet talk to me. But then, you know, as, and this is what happens in reality TV. They pull each person aside for one-on-one -on -one interviews, right? I saw he later told producers that it's intimidating to date a virgin. I'm like, he said one thing to me and then he says another thing to the producers. Like, why yeah, is it just intimidating? It he said to me that always, it's saying, because I, I told him like other guys have been scared off. He's like, what's there to be scared of? It's not like you have claws. And he <laughs> said this on air, you know, like, <laughs> it's true. I don't have claws. Um, uh, no, but so anyway, so he, he was very, like, he, he said one thing to me and then he said another thing to producers. You know, he was a different person on camera than off camera. 20 minutes. So we wrapped late on a Saturday night. Cameras were turned off. Our, we were demiked. He just turned into a completely different person. I saw his true colors. Um, he was like, oh, you should continue dating. I'm like, dude, I just, we were just on a dating show. I just picked you. Why <laughs> the hell are you telling me to continue dating? Like, I'm like, are you going to continue dating? He's like, yeah. I'm like, Pfft. yeah, what was the point? Yeah. Is I know, this why? just for the show then? Yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Adam, I'm telling you, I went on that show genuinely to find love. 
because uh, you know I've already you know I've already shared that I've had three serious heartbreaks. Guys keep getting scared off when they find out I'm I, I'm still a virgin. I don't want an arranged marriage. But my parents, like, ew, that's just gross. Um, I, I, I told producers and the casting team this when I was auditioning. I need a new strategy. Einstein said it. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and expecting a different result. Right. I'm like, I need a different strategy. So to nothing to lose, basically. Exactly. Like, might and, as well you know, try this. Right. And I auditioned when I was 34. I'm 35 now. Like, you know, I think as we get older... We just realize, you know, like, whatever. If, like, what do I have to lose? Exactly. But, like, how you said it, you know, like, it's an experience at this point. You know, what do I have to lose? You know, um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> when you said earlier when, that he ghosted you, did he, did you actually, like, reach out to him again? You messaged we, him or called him or something? We or? did, we did exchange numbers. Um, for the first week after filming wrapped, we spoke on the phone a few times. We were texting each other. Um, but then it just fizzled out. And then, um, again, I just, this is just full disclosure. So we filmed in New Jersey, uh, right? But mm-hmm. um, I have since then shifted base. So we met we met at Flappers, right, in Burbank. Yeah. So um, Burbank is L.A. LA right. I'm based yeah. in L.A. now. Um, I invited him out here. And um, he declined. He claimed he didn't have the money. I'm like, dude, you work in investment banking. I have a finance degree. I used to work in that field. I know exactly how much you make. Don't freaking tell me that you don't have money. You know, like I didn't right. tell him all that. This is what was going through my head. But Adam, he didn't want to see me. If he wanted to see me, he would have come out here, money or not. You know, like yeah, because it's like um, you could take Spirit Airlines. Yeah, you know, or I put mean, it on the credit card really... to see the woman you you got matched with on a dating show. You know, like right. <laughs> if you're into it, you would you would make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he ghosted me. So this the the final straw was when he didn't want to come out to LA. When he said he can't he can't do it because he didn't get his bonus. So I'm like, you should you make enough without your bonus, dude. You know, like seriously. <laughs> I had to, I cried over him a couple times, but I had to move on. Just and you know something, Adam. I had to go through. In fact, during the whole casting process, I had to go through psychological testing. Producers wanted to make sure I was emotionally strong enough to go through something like that. And I'm like, look, I'm 34. I've been through life already. And you know, I I, I did cry over him. Like I said. Because I, I catch feelings very easily. I, he, I kissed him on camera. I had, I, never do, I had never done anything like that, you know? And he's the only guy I kissed, and he's the guy I picked. That tells you something about my value system. <laughs> but, um, like, you know, Katy Perry has that song, One Kiss Is All It Takes to Fall In Love With Me. <laughs> I say, I fall in love with, with just one kiss. <laughs> okay, okay. And, um, and so, yeah, he, he ghosted me. He, you know, he, and he said, he held my hand. He said, oh, it's not, there's nothing wrong with being a virgin. And, you know, you, you know, if anything, it's a good thing. You know, I used to be a virgin, blah, blah, blah. But then on, to producers, he says something else. And then once cameras wrap, he was a completely different person. Like, what the hell, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, you know, ever, so then that was back in May, May 2022. The show started streaming in September 2022. He never contacted me. I never contacted him. What's there to say? You yeah. Know? I mean, there's a saying, rejection is protection. I've never so heard of that, but maybe, I like that. <laughs> maybe it wasn't meant to be for exactly. y'all. You know, yeah. one loss. door closes, one he, another one opens. He, he, exactly. His loss. And, and I will say he can rot in hell. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> um, meanwhile, all these other guys keep DMing me. You know, like, Eric, come on. Open your eyes, dude. Yeah. You, you have no idea what you missed. Okay. So question for you, because you yeah. got me thinking about like dating apps and yeah. how we put ourselves out there on dating apps. Right. I'm curious, your religion, are you Hindu? I am a non-practicing Hindu. Okay. Does that mean agnostic, kind of, more or less? I really don't know. <laughs> <Just> yeah. 
Okay. I, 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 the only dating app I'm on is Bumble. Okay. I don't remember what I have on there. Yeah, I'd be curious religion. if you have Hindu or spiritual or what you put. I'd have to check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because for me personally, either I don't put it or I'll just put spiritual or something. Uh-huh. I used to put Christian, but then I was like, well, I'm not that religious, right. you know? So sometimes I would attract a girl that's like, this man needs to be a man of the Lord. And it's just like... <laughs> Okay, like she's gonna expect me to go to church every Sunday with her and like a, a girl talk like about, that. Is she a virgin? Probably not. <laughs> she, she she picks and choose chooses, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's all I was curious because like for me personally, at this point, I'm totally cool. Like I'm I'm pretty open. Like if they are Hindu, uh-huh. I, at this point, I do yoga and I feel like I'm more Hindu <laughs> than Christian. Right. <laughs> Um, I'm opening up my third eye and all that stuff. Uh-huh. So Chakras, all that. yeah, right. exactly. So yeah, I'm open to it. Right. Yeah, and it was interesting. Like my friend's father, um, who lives in India, I was asking him, you know, about what it's like being Hindu and all of this, uh-huh. and he uh, explained to me how, you know, it's really it's for them it's tradition. Right. It's not really that they're like totally bought into like every single thing mm. that happens. You, you know what in the bothers Gita. you know what bothers me about Hinduism? What's that? Indian culture is all about procreation, right? The woman has to have kids, blah blah blah. How does procre- how does a woman get pregnant? Because she has that time of the month every month, right? Mm-hmm. And flow visits. That's from a biological medical perspective, right? Okay. From a religious perspective, Hinduism shuns women when they're menstruating they tell them yeah there's in fact a bollywood movie um, about this that came out a few years ago it's called padman um (laughs) because there's what a fitting name yeah no because there's a guy the the leading actor akshay kumar he's a leading bollywood actor from the 90s and he's still working nowadays um he um the movie is set in a village in india and this is especially true in indian villages where when a woman is menstruating she can't enter the house she has to, she's out in like the guest house or, you know, um, cause she's like, uh, it's, it's a bad, it's an omen. She's bad luck. Um, so, and so, um, oh, and then they <laughs> didn't have in the villages, especially they don't have proper men- sanitary napkins for women. So this character in, in the movie Padman, he is, he sets out to make an economical sanitary napkin for w- women who are menstruating in these villages. Um, and it, in the movie highlights why it's bad to, to shun these women when they're menstruating. I'm like, you want them to get pregnant, but then you, menstruation is taboo. Like, you know, come on. Yeah, that's pretty like, wild. It's so, exactly. It's, it's ironic, <laughs> you know? Another thing about Indian culture, and again, I'm just being honest. I've made comedy jokes about this. It's a male-dominated culture, but 99% of Hindu deities are female. Mm. Kali, Durga, Lakshmi, Saraswati, you know, like they're all female. Like, you know, pick and choose. Like, you know, you know it's a male-dominated society, but then you pray to I- I- female gods, goddesses. Yeah, you know? like, how do you feel about the Hindu gods? Like, do you feel like this could very well be the truth? Or do you feel like it's more like fable-driven? I don't have any such sentiment about it. I'm aware of what they are because I grew up having all that instilled in me. Yeah. I, I don't disrespect it. I don't doubt it. I just don't follow it anymore. Okay. Um, and I'll, 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 I'll share a quick story as to why. Um, my parents are to this day very religious. When I was growing up, they made me wear these like um, Indian ruby stones that are supposed to bring good luck. They're very like, they're like religious stuff is done to them to instill 
good fortune and good luck to the uh-huh. person wearing it. So my dad gave me one of these. I was in high school then. So that's, you know, that was the age I started questioning the stuff that I was raised with, right? So I, so my dad told me to wear this ring and he said that if I wear it, I'll get in, I'll get good grades and I'll get into a good college. I'll have no problem getting into college. Okay. So then I'm like, well, if I don't study, will I still get good grades? Will I still get into college? <laughs> and he said, no, I still have to do the work. I'm like, then okay. what's the point in wearing this? You know, like. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to give you like a good luck charm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's when I, that was when really, when I started questioning all these religious things. Um, another thing, um, and I'm just going to be very honest here. Um, I mentioned my dad being nine years older than my mother. Um, he was also the breadwinner. My father was about 10 or 11 years oh my different from my culture, mom. You know, like a decade so, difference, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is a big difference. I mean, right. for some people, I, I don't think it's the end of the world at the same time. I think it depends on the couple and how they connect. You know, my parents, they were virtually strangers when they got married. Arranged marriage. My, and my mother especially had no choice. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's the past. Yeah. What, what and I guess too, it? I guess um, too, it's like people are at different stages of their life. Right. That could be the concern in a relationship, right. you yeah. know? And by the way, we're not talking about some like Woody Allen type shit, like where people are <laughs> underage or whatever. This is not that we are just talking about people that are of age that have that gap. Right. Um, my, my, my parents got married in 1983. My mom was 21. My dad was 30. They had a nine year difference. Yeah. And then when I found out, I was like, ma, that means when you were nine, Dad was 18, you know, like you, <laughs> that's so old. Um, no, but going, coming back to my upbringing um, and going back to the religion thing. Um, so my dad was the breadwinner. My, both my parents are retired now, but my dad was the breadwinner. He brought in the dough. Um, he, he was a pharmaceutical au- auditor in New Jersey. Between 1999 and 2014 or 15, when he finally retired, he was in and out of work. We experienced some financially hard times. And that must have been really hard for your yeah, father, yeah. being from the Indian culture exactly. where your work is everything. Not being able to provide for his family, being on unemployment, you know, due to factors outside of his control. But the, the truth of life is no job is ever guaranteed, right? Even in our generation, especially in our, gener- in our industry, right? Jo- mm-hmm. Work isn't a guaranteed. You just have to keep hustling. So anyway, so going back to my parents, what I saw growing up. So he was in and out of work. We had some financially hard times. And he used to pray to God give me a job, let me get this interview, you know, let money come in. God did squat, Adam, you know, like, you know, we still had financially hard times. And just, that's why, that's another reason I don't believe in all that stuff anymore. Like I came to LA on my own doing, I got on Dr. Phil because of my own doing, I got on Do- five guys a week because I, I applied, you know, God had no part in it. That's my firm belief. I, I, and I know there's a, there's stuff outside of our control. All due respect to people out there who do believe in God. But yeah. that's why I say I'm a non-practicing Hindu. I haven't converted to any other religion okay. or anything like that. Yeah, I respect <laughs> that. For me, I do believe in God. Uh-huh. I just choose not to define it intensely like that. And I try to stay open to people's views and mm. things like that. That's where I'm at right now. But I mean, I think it's a journey, you know, and I think to deny other people's perspectives is just very, very no. limiting. No, absolutely. That's just to each their own. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, since we're talking so much about religion, I want to bring up Eric again from five guys a week. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he, uh, Eric obviously is not Indian. He was white. Um, he um, was Catholic. They, you know, they cut the, the editors, cut this out of the final episode, but Eric actually wanted two to three kids. And I, you know, I, I was able to, uh, you know, our phones were taken away during filming, so I couldn't look into it at the time, but I later <laughs> found out that Catholic people, they're into big families. Um, there's apparently seven sins in Catholicism. 
Um, one of them is Lust. Uh, my sister was part of the family and friends brunch. She had asked all the guys, um, how many women have you slept with? How many sexual partners have you had? Eric was like 10 or 12. He couldn't even remember. Um, so this was after filming wrapped and everything. I'm like, you, lust is a sin in Catholicism, but then you've had 10 to 12 sexual partners. But then on the flip side, you want 10 to two to three kids? You know, like it's easy for a guy to say he wants two to three kids. It's not coming out of his body. You know, like. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's, that would be a lot is, of work. I mean, it's you with the baby. Yeah. It's, it's he'd Adam, be there to. I work at Equinox. I'm in, I work out every day. It, fitness is my religion. Okay. We're talking about religion. <laughs> fitness is my religion. I work out every day. I see new moms coming in to get their pre-pregnancy bodies back. It is not easy. I bet it's not. <laughs> um, and so, um, so yeah, you know, let's take Eric, Mr. Eric, you know, he picks and chooses, you know, certain aspects of his religion, you know, apparently Catholics don't believe in birth control. That's why, you know, there's, you know, young mothers out there, you know, and again, I'm not judging. I'm just saying what I, what I know, what I've seen, what other Catholic people have told me. Um, it's it, again, to each their own. But again, for a man to say that he wants two to three kids, it's so easy. It's not coming out of his body, you know, <laughs> just, and I said this on stage tonight too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I do like remember what do I this. look like a baby machine? You know? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I had something I was going to ask you about this and then it totally just like left me. I was going to ask you about Equinox. Oh, yeah. So Equinox. Equinox. <laughs> Equinox. So sorry. So sorry. It's a luxury fitness club. Yeah. Not a gym. Exactly. Not to be confused with a gym. Right. It is not a gym. It's a luxury fitness club. <laughs> so with Equinox, uh -huh. what do you think separates it from cheaper gyms such as a, dare we say, Planet Fitness? Oh my gosh. The opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the first, first and foremost fab fabulous thing about Equinox is, is it's a community. You know, um, it's a community. It's for people who value fitness. It is not cheap. It's definitely an investment on a monthly basis. But, you know, it's, an, it's, it's a community. You see people, you are surrounded by people who also value fitness and that motivates you to also work out. So I will say that's the number one thing. And then close second, third, and fourth are the cleanliness, the luxuriousness, the spaciousness. You get what you pay for in life. You really do. You know, I used to be a member at the YMCA. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, totally that, different that, that's too. all I could afford at the time. Yeah. Um, eventually, I, you know, this, this was back in New York. Um, I, I was eventually living on Wall Street. My job was on Wall Street and there was an Equinox Wall Street. My boss was a member at, Wall, at Equinox. I joined Equinox and that was in 2016. I, I was a member before I got hired. My, and I, you know, let me tell you my interview at the company for, to get the job. It wasn't an interview. I just sold my passion for the brand. Um, I'm like, you have to hire me. I've, I've been a member for five years. I just, I <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I'm confused about how you build the community because I feel like normally when you think of a gym, it's like people are kind of isolated, like mm -hmm. working out on their own stuff and their own machine or whatever, listening to music. So mm -hmm. how do you build a sense of community in the gym? There are members like that. Absolutely. Who are who keep to themselves. They had headphones in, they're in their own world, but there's other members who, you know, recognize each other. They've built friendships. They've done business deals together. Um, it, it, it varies. Absolutely. So they might stop and talk to yeah, each other absolutely. and like stuff like you know, that. And you know, it's, it's called a club. People don't just come there to work out. You know, we have an, a member lounge. We have Earth Bar where people can buy smoothies and just chill. You know, people come there to just, you know, get away from home and just work, you know, like on their laptop. You know, we have music playing all the time. It's, it's, it's a nice escape from the chaos out there. It's, Equinox is a temple of wellness. That's what it is. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, you know and, uh, and also 
it, it's it's the it's the it's the business class of fitness. Once you work out at Equinox, you can't go anywhere else. You really can't. And I can say that because like I've been to India many times. Growing up, it was always economy. You know, I'm, I come from a middle class family, family of four. I have a younger sister. That's what my parents could do financially, right? Yeah. So that was me. That was my experiences growing up. I went to India every other summer up until 2006. And then I went as an adult in 2017. Adam, I upgraded at the last minute to business class. Good for you. It was the best money ever spent. <laughs> and, you know, they knew me by name. They treated me like a princess, better food, better, you know, actual silverware. I could recline at a 180. Let me tell you, from LA to India, it's a full 24 hours. Okay. I have back issues. <laughs> you know, so now I. I, I won't say I'm spoiled. I work hard for what I, for my money. And, you know, I, I, I work hard. I play hard. But now it's like, if I ever go back to India, it has to be business class. You know, <laughs> I will not survive in coach. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. It is like, so it's like, what? It's four times Well, more, I upgraded right? at the, so I had originally booked a, an economy ticket. And then two days before the flight, Emirates sent me an email that if I paid another thousand dollars, I could upgrade to business class. That's how I got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I see you. I see you. Um, so how much does the membership Equinox cost? You know, you got to, it's an investment. First of all, you don't even want to say the price. <laughs> you got to, you got to come check it out first. You know, we, we give tours, you, you get a three day trial pass. You got to experience it. And then the financial investment will make sense. And, and also I can't publicly discuss pricing because there's different options. You know, there's select access, there's, and then there's another out level, then there's all access, there's destination, there's gold, you know, like there's different options depending on a member's needs. If they travel a lot, you know, uh, you know, they, they can access any Equinox across the country, across the world. We have, mem we have clubs in, you know, we have a club in London, you know? Uh, so there's, a, I, 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 pricing is a very complicated matter. Let me rephrase the question. Uh -huh. When can you get me in for free? <laughs> Anytime, because we're friends. Okay, great. <laughs> That's all I need to know. No, but then. I will say this. I also have a boss. I can't get you in for free like 50 times. No. You know? <laughs> but 49 times. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like your long lost cousin or something. Of course. You know? I mean, we can get away with that a little easier of with course. the Bengali thing going. You know you know something, Adam? Yeah. Um, there's another South Asian male actor here in LA. I've known him for years. Um. He called me up one day when I was driving to a gig and um, he wanted a discount at Equinox okay. and um, I made it happen. Nice. Okay. <laughs> That's what's up. So <laughs> dreams do come true. Yes. Look, like anything in life, right? It's all about who you know. It's connections, right? And Equinox is a club. It, and we are our people who pay the membership. They're called members. You know, like <laughs> I didn't have that sort of respect when I was a quote member at the YMCA. Right. Even because I was a member at the YMCA back in New York for two, two years or three years or so. I don't keep in touch with anybody from there anymore. You know, I don't even remember their f names or faces, you know. Yeah. Um, but at Equinox, it's different. Like, like I said earlier, you can't go work out anywhere else once you've been at Equinox. It's no, you, you definitely can't, <laughs> can't go back to Planet Fitness. Oh, I mean, Planet Fitness is like a dystopia of a gym. They're give, they give you like pizza. I know. Jolly like, Ranchers. Oh, like, what kind of motivation? Is is... Oh, my God. <laughs> What's that? Planet Fitness, please don't sue us. We're just blunt New Yorkers, <laughs> East Coasters. <laughs> no, but I agree. You have people work out, but then you offer them pizza. Like, come on. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. And then it's just like, usually the machines are all occupied at all times. There's a line forming. Right. Or the, the bathroom. Don't get me started. Oh, the showers? The showers, you cannot shower no there. No towel service, right? No <laughs> unlimited towel service. 
I know even at 24 hour fitness, they only give you two towels when you come in at the front desk, you know, at Equinox. I mean, that sounds like a dream boat to me. Like <laughs> there it's like, who's, who's the person showering before me? Right. That's no, my then, concern. And then I know at like some other clubs that do provide towel service, they give you the towels at the front desk. I don't want the front desk people touching my towels. You know, at Equinox, you, you grab your own towels from the locker room and it's unlimited. <laughs> Okay. We have Kiehl's lotions, you know, and hairspray and deodorant and, you know, mouthwash and shampoo and, you know, razors and all that stuff. For for women with long hair, we, you know, we have hair ties in, in, in the locker rooms, you know, like. Just, Sounds very nice. You get, you get what you pay for in life. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, sometimes people just don't have the resources, you Absolutely. know, like that's just a huge part of it too. Absolutely. And I mean. I agree. For other people, they've kind of got to muscle through, like literally uh, muscle through their fitness, you know, and figure right. out like what is the routine routine going to be? Right. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I will I will tell you this much about when it comes to finances. It's, it's it's as if you it's as if you were to go to Starbucks every day. If you spend five bucks a day at Starbucks, that's pretty much what you would spend at Equinox. And a lot of people, a lot of members, they come to us from these other so-called competitors and they and the, and yes, it's a huge increase in financial investment, but they use that as motivation to work out because at the other place, they never worked out. They hated going there. And that's another thing. Equinox is a place where you want to go work out because it's so spacious, luxurious, and clean. Um, so, uh, so yeah, you get what you pay for in life. Absolutely. Do y'all put a cap on how many members you can have so it doesn't get too crowded? Or how does that work? You know, we're open from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., Monday through Thursday. 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Fridays and then 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. on weekends. I've never it's never been I've never seen it at a point where it's so crowded that it's uncomfortable. OK. Yeah. It's never been like that. You know, um, you you just got to, you know, if you feel it's too crowded, you just come back an hour later. If, you know, if that's your if that's someone's sentiment. But I've never heard that complaint from members. I Even when I was a member, I never experienced that. Um because it's again, it's so it goes it goes it goes back to the real estate value. You know, it's it's very spacious. It's luxurious. You know. Um, yeah, and in LA, space is hard to find. Yeah. So. Yeah, even worse in New York, in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, oh, and that, that's another thing here in LA. We have so many equinoxes because of the traffic, right. right? You know, Culver City, Westwood, Beverly Hills, um, Sports Club, um, South Bay, uh, Newport Beach, um, Huntington Beach, Marina Del Rey, Glendale, Sherman Oaks, Encino. Oh, Sherman, oh, Sherman not Sherman Oaks, Encino. Studio City just opened up. W um, Woodland Hills, Westlake West um, West Village. I think that's the, that's the city, in, you know, out, out, out there on the west side of, you know, LA, of Southern California. There's just so many options, you know? So, um, so yeah, I've never heard that complaint from members that it's too crowded or anything like that. How are you feeling about stand-up and what's next for you? <laughs> Adam, stand-up happened by accident for me. I, I never really pursued it. It just kind of it kind of fell in my lap. Um, I, I'm just, I'm going to keep this brief. I am, um, you know, I've been out here in LA for five years. It's a very lonely city. It's very isolated, you know, full of performing artists who are always hustling and just struggling. I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say the word struggling. That has a very negative connotation, but I prefer to say hustling. But it's not easy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we have to worry about ourselves, our finances, our mental, our mental health. So, um, I have spent every birthday and holiday by myself, including last year, to the point of loneliness and crying tears, crying tears of loneliness, um, and so. 
comedy happened by accident oh so i was oh so um last fall i was a member i was a contestant on jay leno's game show you bet your life he mentioned to us contestants that he still does comedy at flappers so then i looked into flappers and i saw they were having classes adam i enrolled and let me tell you it's been a huge a comedy for me has been therapy it's opened up a whole door in a whole new community aside from let's just say equinox um comedy as our teacher told us taught us right samantha Comedy is tragedy plus time. It's about putting a positive spin on hardships someone has experienced in life. And that is what I do in my stand-up comedy routine. I talk about my strict Indian-American upbringing, dating dilemmas, dating challenges. If it weren't for comedy, I would just drown in the misery of being lonely and just stay, 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 only, only stay closed-minded, you know, just just only focus on the negatives of being heartbroken, still being having my V card at my age. But I've been through therapy. I've been able to poke fun at that, which I never thought about doing before. So that's what the journey has been so far. As for what's next, I, you know, I'm very ambitious. I would love to have a special on Netflix or Hulu or HBO or, or whatever. You know, I had COVID recently for the second time. I was binge watching Netflix. I was watching Hasan Minhaj, Trevor Noah, Veer Das, you know. I'm like, why not me? I could do that. I love it. You know? There's so many great specials to watch. Yeah. And I love even going back in people's earlier careers and starting to watch it from there, yeah. too, because you see the progression. Right. And some of the earlier specials um, can be a little less edited sometimes. So right. you get to see like, oh, this is exactly how it was shot or like, you know, just a little more of that rawness. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just I just want to keep having I just want to keep enjoying the, the journey. Um, keep putting positive spins on the challenges I've had in life. And I'm not talking just dating, but just also just financial. I think our generation is the most educated and least paid. Um, and then, and again, I'm just talking real talk here, rising basic living expenses like rent, it's food, gotten crazy. fuel, but, is, uh, but our incomes are stagnant. Right. You know, we have a huge student loan crisis in this country, you know, credit card debt, mortgage, you know, car loans, uh, you know, like th those things are real, rea real. So do right? you feel like there's going to be a recovery soon or a recession or like what's your view I, I, on it from your I, finance I, background? I, I think there's going to be another recession is going to come our way. You know, I, so I started my career on Wall Street, as I mentioned um, earlier, um, even to, in tonight's comedy. Right. I said, you know, I'm more than a virgin. I actually have a finance degree. I started off my career on Wall Street. What I did not mention on stage was I lost my job on Wall Street during the mortgage meltdown. This was 2009, 2010. Um, I was 23, 24. I was scared. I was devastated. I'm like, what am I going to do next? I have a finance degree. You know, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh, I was panicking. But like I said earlier, Adam, when one door closes, another one opens. I went into real estate. I got my real estate license. I was still in corporate, but um, I just reinvented myself. And so, you know, cause, so we had a recession back then. Right. And, you know, history repeats itself. I firmly believe in that. I do believe we're going to we're heading into another recession with yeah, given rising we'll just... basic basic living expenses or keep rising rent, food, fuel. Um, that's just to live, you know, even for, for us women, that doesn't even include beauty expenses. You know, I, I, I like to I like to doll up and wear my bling bling, you know, I think um, the takeaway too, people can stash that money away and not spend spend. Yeah, right. Well, because you want to make sure for those down times, you've got money and are right. making big purchases Absolutely. when In things theory. are 
more expensive. In theory, that's that's doable. In yeah, theory. like my oh. crypto has gone down. Right. It's been bad. <laughs> I'm like tempted to sell what crypto I have left, but I'm just like, I feel like it's bottomed out. Well, you know about all this FTX stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, FTX, so it's like yeah. after that, people aren't trusting. Right. It's um, very, no, look, no risk, no reward. So things like crypto, Bitcoin, it's it's risky. Right. But then there's also an, a huge upside for reward. But then the, there's also a huge risk of loss, financial loss. Right. So you got to take the good, the bad and the ugly. So it, de it depends what your risk appetite is. Absolutely. Um, I think for our generation, it's easier said than done to save, given, again, rising basic living expenses in the face of stagnant income. Um, it, you know, th these kind of what we're talking about right now from, on a finance level, these things used to stress me out. It really did, especially when I worked in, in corporate. I think, especially through the help of therapy, I've learned to just let that stuff go. Like, I can't control rising gas prices, right? Um, I can't control landlords increasing rent. Um, I just got, I'm just going to keep hustling. You have to adapt, adapt basically. Exactly. Reinvent myself. I'll get another job. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll cut back on this. I'll cut back on that. You know, do I really need to um, do this or that? You know, like, the, the, the easiest person to change is yourself whether it's in a relationship, whether it's when it comes to your finances or your career. Yeah, because you can be frustrated of the government, this yeah. person, that person, the system. It's it's easy to get caught up in that. Exactly. And is it because of that? I mean, obviously there's reasons that these things happen, but you know, at the, the end of the day, is it going to be healthy to focus on all that all the time uh -huh. versus what you said, controlling what you can control. Exactly. Being solution-oriented as opposed to drowning in the problem. Um, I'm a firm believer in being solution-oriented, you know, like focus your time and energy on coming up with a solution to improve your situation. Um, I, I, you do life coaching, Adam. Um, I think we've talked about this before. I, I've, I've, I've attended Tony Robbins seminars. You know, that's a, that's a whole other community about people trying to change their life around, improving right. their, not just their finances, but also their health. Health is wealth. Health is, health is true wealth. You don't have anything if you don't have health. Exactly. You know, I, I was on Wall Street. The CEO of the big, big bank I worked, worked for, he had blood pressure issues. You know, the um, we just this was just recently the CFO of uh, Bed Bath and Beyond committed suicide. You know, like those he's a CFO. He was a CFO. He had a ton of money. Why did he commit suicide? You know, he was mentally unwell. All the money in the world did not make him happy. Money you know? makes life easier, but right. it doesn't buy happiness exactly. for sure. Mm -hmm. But it definitely can clear up a lot of bullshit going on yeah. in your life. Yes. If you you, you have to use it, it, it well. Yes, exactly. You have to be careful about how you're using that money. <laughs> don't go into drugs or commit suicide or anything. Get, yeah, get or help, don't like buy health. your friends, you know? Yes. Like make sure you're not the one paying for like 15 people all the time, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we have some members at Equinox. They're, they're paying the huge membership investment, but they don't even come work out. Oh, that's just throwing money away. That's sad. Exactly. Yeah. And then they complain that they're not getting in shape. I'm like, well, you don't even come in, come work right. out. You know, like <laughs> I had this one South Asian friend. Um, we met at Equinox um, while we while we still had to wear masks. This was when the mask mandate was still in place here in L.A. Yeah. County. And um, I saw her name. That's how I knew she was South Asian. And we just got to talking. We, you know, um, she, she, and you know, I love her dearly. I've encouraged her to come work out, you know, at least three to four times a week. She doesn't. And she was a member at a different, she was a, she had a gym membership somewhere else before she, her friend is a member at Equinox. So her friend, you know, got her into the whole Equinox community. And I, I see, you know, I, I, as an employee, we can, we can see how many times a member has checked in, which club they have gone to and all that. 
I, I can look, I look, I, you know, I know that for a fact she pays a lot of money every month, but she doesn't work out at all. That's just a waste of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, this is what you could hit her with. I'm curious what would happen if you showed up five times a week I've, I've and sit in the silence. Right. I, I've encouraged her to attend classes with me. We both live in Culver City. Um, she's like, oh, I can't keep up. Like, listen, it's not a race. No one's watching you. Let me tell you, everyone's obsessed with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another thing about Equinox. There's mirrors everywhere because people are vain just- there, including <laughs> me. I am always checking myself in the mirror, out in the mirror. <laughs> oh, my like, God. No, but seriously, though, people, you know, look, this doesn't apply to all Equinox members. But, um, you know, it's a community, absolutely. But like you said, Adam, there are people out, you know, at Equinox who have headphones in. They just go on and get, in their, get their workout in and they go out. Um, and then also there's mirrors everywhere. People are constantly checking themselves out, you know, even in the group fitness studio and in the yoga studio, there's mirrors, you know. And, yeah. you know, and I say that jokingly in terms of, you know, people being vain. But the truth is, like, it's, it's a motivational tool. You know, when you keep seeing yourself in the mirror, you, you keep, you, it pushes yourself to keep going, you know? Yeah, like I'm a fat piece of shit. I need nah, to change. No, no, I would, I would never say that. Uh, we're all, we all come in different shapes and sizes. <laughs> <laughs> Even me, I gained 20 pounds during lockdown. We all did. All our bodies changed, right? All the gyms were closed, even Equinox. Um, we were all stuck at home, junk food 24-7, right? I became a couch potato. I really did. I mean, it's so easy to become like that yeah. during a pandemic. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, when things started opening up again in L.A., it was really hard to get back in shape. Yeah. You know, but um, it's a, it's fitness is a journey for a- anybody and everybody. Absolutely. I like to look at the mirror more for like the form. Is my form good? Because I feel like if I don't have a mirror there, right. I could fall into a habit or something like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I respect that as well. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good to be respected. <laughs> Men and women both. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been a real ass talk. I feel like we cut into a lot of stuff today that we usually don't talk about on this podcast. Like, I feel like sex and religion has not been talked about a ton. Finances. Finances, too. <laughs> even that. Money's that so was, taboo, right? Oh, right. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what's that saying? Never at a party, at a party, never talk about religion, politics. Religion and politics, sex I think, are the two. Sex and money, one. I think. It's three, but I, th- I think there should be four. Religion, politics, sex, and money. People usually stay away from those topics, right? Because they're right, sensitive. Right, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like me growing up, it was always uh, religion and politics, right. but I agree with you. I could see with people you don't know so well. I mean, yeah, like sex and money, but people are more comfortable speaking about money, I feel like. Maybe a little too comfortable because <laughs> I feel like people ask a lot like how much do i make or this or that i've never been asked that really you know know, adam i used to work in finance right i um to this day i'm personally in touch with the former ceo of mastercard his name is mr ajay banga south asian man indian guy adam i had drinks with him this i was 25 then this was at the core club in manhattan it was 5 p.m um in in manhattan um adam he this was the CEO of MasterCard. He never once looked at his phone. He gave me his undivided attention for one full hour. And he, he, had, he gave me some very profound advice and wisdom. He said, nobody knows how much is in your bank account except you. What matters is your demeanor and how you treat other people. 
Damn, he hit you with that spiritual level. I was 25. This was a decade ago. Yes. And Adam, that was such profound advice. And I, I practice that piece of wisdom every single day. You know, like it's true. Nobody knows how much is in your bank account except you. What matters is how you present yourself and how you treat other people. And, and another thing I will say about b bank account size, because I've been on both sides, right? I, I mentioned it tonight, right? I went from corporate to being a comedian. I've been around people who earn six, seven figures. They also have very, very, very high expenses, you know, um, versus, yeah, you know, you know, us performing artists, our income is fluctuates. It may not be six, seven figures yet, but, you know, we don't rely on material items to make us happy. So our expenses are relatively speaking lower, you know, and so, see, you know, it's all relative, you know, so Mr. Ajay Banga, I can't thank you enough for teaching me that when I was uh, 25. Um, it's so true. No one knows how much is in your bank account except you. What matters is how you present yourself and how you treat other people. So do your damn thing. Don't worry about other people yes. and what they think about how much you make as long. I mean, as much as it matters to you, whatever you do, just be happy. Because, you know, all the money in the world will not make you happy. Just do what you do, what you love. And then the success will follow. All right. That's deep. That's deep. <laughs> Have you been watching White Lotus? No. What is that? It's a good ass show. It's on HBO. Oh, and it, Adam, I don't want to give too Adam, much away. Adam, so I don't want to tell the whole plot and Adam. stuff. But it has some themes about money, vacationing, oh, yeah? family, dynamics between friends. It's basically, it's at a resort and it follows the lives of these people that come to this resort. I see. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Dramedy. Dramedy. Okay. I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah. It's extremely good. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, is there anything, any, well, it feels like you left on like a parting note. <laughs> Uh, it was very Hallmark. It was very, you lifetime did. Lifetime Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> you gave the Lifetime Hallmark ending. Anything edgy you want to say before you leave today or something we might need to hear before we go? Don't judge anybody for their past. Just respect them. To each their own. Ow, ow! That's some deep shit. <laughs> All right. It's been real, Sonali. I'm really glad we did this. Thank you for having me. This was fun, Adam. Of course. I'll see you ASAP. Yep. But thank you, everyone. Oh, and check out Five Guys a Week on the Lifetime app. I am episode number 14, and it's also syndicated on Amazon Prime. Yes, folks, I told you Adam and I are not together anymore. However, the episode, it's unlike anything you have ever seen before. It is pure entertainment. So check it out. Right. And when she says, Adam, it's not me. We haven't broken up. Wait, did I say Adam? No, I said Eric. You said Adam. Really? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I, it's 9 p.m. right now. And um, I've been awake since 5 a.m. So, OK, Eric. Eric was the guy I picked on, on the TV show. We're not together anymore. But All still, right. you should check out the show. All right. On that <laughs> note. <laughs>